This morning, I invite you to open your Bible to Luke 24, and I think as you we go through the message this morning, you'll be able to relate. Luke 24, verses 13 through 32. We have an account of two believers, two followers of Jesus, two disciples that were on their way to Emmaus. Let me read these verses, and then we'll go back and look. I've titled the message this morning, The Resurrection of Hope. The Resurrection of Hope. Begin in verse 13, And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about threescore furlongs, that's about seven miles, And they talked together of all these things which had happened, and it came to pass that while they communed together in reason, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there? In these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre, and when they found not his body, they came, saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said he was alive. And certain of them, which were with us, went to the sepulchre and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village, whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them, and it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, He took bread, and blessed it, and brake, and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the Scriptures? As we get to the end of Luke, Luke 24... Luke is finishing his account of Jesus' life. Jesus was born. Jesus grew up. Jesus experienced three years of ministry. Jesus was arrested. Jesus was condemned by Pilate. Jesus was crucified, buried, and he resurrected the third day. You know, it's ironic that Luke ends his account there. But the life of a follower, of a disciple, actually begins there. 
That's where our journey, journey of discipleship begins. And, you know, there are many things that we can debate in the body of Christ. We can debate how often we ought to have communion. We can debate how we ought to give tithes and offerings. We can debate how we should relate to our government. There are many things in the body of Christ that we can debate. But there is one thing that we cannot debate. And that is that Jesus Christ died and was buried and rose again. That is not debatable. That is where Christianity begins. And it's ironic that Christianity begins with that belief. Paul writes in Romans 10 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now it's ironic if Christianity begins with that belief that this was the very point where those who were declared disciples of Jesus wrestled the most in believing. Now, they believed Jesus could walk on water. They had seen that. They believed he could turn water into wine. They believed he could heal the blind, the crippled. They believed he even could raise someone from the dead. They had seen him raised Lazarus from the dead. And yet they struggled to believe that Jesus had risen from the dead, even when he had told them that he would do so on the third day. We find as we get to this account that women have gone to the tomb. They have seen the empty tomb. They have actually seen the risen Lord, and yet there are disciples that struggle to believe. We find Jesus even appeared to disciples. And even after Peter and John had been to the tomb and seen the empty tomb, the disciples still struggled to believe. In fact, Mark's account records that when Jesus first met with his disciples in Galilee, he rebuked them for their disbelief when he had told them. And this unbelief, I think, is epitomized in the account that we read, I read this morning. We find two disciples, one's name, Cleopas, the other is not. And I would suggest to you that in Scripture, when an, a name is not given, it's a good invitation for us to put our name there. Because there is not one of us that in our walk with Christ have not had times when we have walked that road to Emmaus. When we have had some dying of hope. I can only imagine what that conversation was like that day. The one says to the others, can you believe what just happened? I said, no, I can't believe that. Do you believe Pilate? Pilate would... would deliver Jesus when he said he was innocent? Do you believe he would, would deliver him to be that? No, I never thought he would do that. And Judas, what a flake. I, I, I can't believe. All, Judas betrayed him? Oh, no, I never would have seen that one coming. And Peter, I mean, I thought Peter was for real. All the things Peter said over the, 
over these last years? And Peter didn't, no, I never. Well, wait till I see him. I can only imagine the conversations. But what is the saddest of all statements in this passage? We find in verse 21, when they say to one another, we had believed. We had had hope. Depending on which translation you have, we had trusted. That he was the one. That is the saddest statement to ever come out of a believer's mouth. Because hope is dead. Hope has died. They no longer believe. It had seemed so real that Jesus was the answer. They had given up, many of them, their livelihoods for three years to follow him. They had every anticipation that this was real. And they say now, we had hoped. We had believed. Well, in this sad, sorrowful time, they have abandoned hope. Jesus told them, told the disciples he would meet them in Galilee. These aren't going to Galilee. They're, they've left the other disciples. They're going to Emmaus. It's Fred said this morning, they're going back to what they know. They're going back to fishing. And it's what is so interesting in this is to see and understand how important hope is. Psalm 42.5 says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Jeremiah 17, 7 says, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. Paul writes in Romans chapter 5, For we glory in tribulation. Why? Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed. And Paul writes to the Thessalonians, don't ever go to a funeral and grieve like those who have no hope. Hope is essential for believers. Hope is essential. And maybe this morning, our problem is not a lack of faith, but a lack of hope. You see, faith and hope are not the same thing. Faith is believing trusting that God is and believing that God can do something. I think we would be unified here this morning in that. If I would ask you, whatever the situation that we may be praying for, we would say, God can do that. I believe he can. But hope says, do we expect God to answer our prayer? Do we expect him to do miracles in our lives? You see, our problem today may not be one of lack of faith, but lack of hope. This morning, things may have happened recently in your life, or all of us can think of times when things happened in our life when our hope died just a bit. What about the time you go to a doctor, and you go to the second doctor, and you go to the third doctor, and you go to the fourth doctor, and none of them can determine what the problem is 
and you feel worse than before you went to the first doctor. Your hope dies just a little bit, doesn't it? What about the situation where you go to a doctor and you get a diagnosis of cancer? What happens to our hope? What about when you bury your mother or your father? What about when a loved one has to go on hospice? What happens to our hope? You see, in those situations, our problem, our challenge probably is not one of faith, but of hope. There's not an expectation that tomorrow will be better. We find ourselves expecting tomorrow's going to be worse than what today is. But hope is central to the Christian life. How can we serve a risen Lord and not have hope? I find it so fascinating that Jesus intentionally joins these two that are on the way to Emmaus that morning. This is Sunday. There are a lot of places Jesus could have been. A lot of believers he would show up with them. He intentionally joins himself with those two. And he does so, I believe, to resurrect hope in them. Well, Jesus shows up to resurrect hope. And I think maybe before we talk about how hope can be resurrected, maybe we need to have a good understanding of what makes hope die. What makes hope die? Well, there are at least three things that we find in this experience of these two disciples that caused their hope to die. And I hope we can learn from this this morning. Because all of us, at one time or other, have walked the road to Emmaus. We've had things happen in our lives that have caused us our hope to die just a bit. Well, the first way, when you and I remove ourselves from the fellowship and encouragement of other believers, hope dies. You see, these disciples did not stay with the other disciples. They left. They left. They're going to Emmaus. They walked away. And I want to remind us this morning, the worst thing that you and I can do when life deals us a difficult blow is to remove ourselves from the body of Christ. And so often that's what happens. People say, I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like going to small group. I don't feel like fellowship. I, you don't know what I'm going through. Listen, in those times, we ought to press to go to church. That's the time we need to be there the most. When life hits us, we need to seek to be with other believers. Listen to the conversation those two had that morning. It just fertilized their despair and their despondency. 
I can't believe. Yeah, that was terrible. And did you see? Yeah, that was terrible too. There is no hope. There is no encouragement among them as they walk. You see, maybe they left the other disciples because, let's face it, even disciples can be difficult. Even disciples in crisis situations, relationships can be messy, can't they? And maybe that's why that day they chose to leave. All of us know that church is filled with people. People who sometimes can have bad attitudes. People who sometimes, especially in stressful situations, can say things that they shouldn't say. But you and I need to be in an environment where our hope in God is encouraged. Look back over your life. When we face a difficult time, this is not the first difficult time we've faced, right? This is not the first time when God seemed far away, right? This is not the first time when the light at the end of the tunnel was a train, right? This is not the first time when we looked ahead and we saw there's no way I can make it through this week, right? This is not the first time we sat before a doctor and he said, I don't know, right? But hope dies when we remove ourselves from the encouragement of other believers. Because when we do that, we find ourselves joining others who merely fertilize our despair and our despondency. Well, a second way that hope dies is when we refuse to wait on the power of the resurrection. Verse 21, they tell Jesus, it's been three days. It's been three days since this happened. So we left. What did Jesus say about three days? He said, I'll rise on the third day. But they left. After three days, they quit. You know, there's something about our society that gives us the impression that when we wait, something is wrong. That hasn't even been a minute. You see, when we wait, when someone makes us wait, we then think maybe they don't know what they're doing. Maybe they forgot their assignment. Maybe they don't think I matter. You see, we don't quit on the third day. We shout on the third day. 
right? It's so easy for us to fail to wait on God. You see, the resurrection that Jesus promised, said would happen, is the foundation for every other promise we have from him. If he had not kept that promise, then none of the promises that we have, we could put faith in. You see, so when someone promises you something, there are two things you need to ask yourself before you believe. Is this person willing to do this? And are they able to do this? For instance, if Kenton would ask me this morning, Dave, will you drive me to Tennessee tomorrow? I'm able to drive Kenton to Tennessee tomorrow. I've got a car. But Kenton, I'm not willing to drive you to Tennessee tomorrow. Or suppose Cole came up to me today and said, Oh, Dave, I really need $1,000 today. I say, sure, man. I love you, Cole. I'm willing. But Cole, I'm, I don't have $1,000 at my disposal today. I'm not able. But with the promises that God has given to us, he is both willing and able. Listen, if God was willing to give his only begotten son to save your and my wretched soul, if he was willing to give that, and if he was able to raise him from the dead, then you tell me, what is he not willing and able to do for you? And yet, we become so impatient, we don't want to wait. It's kind of like, I don't know if you've used Uber before or not, but if you call for an Uber ride, you will get normally a text saying that your Uber ride has arrived at your house or wherever you are, and, and, and they're ready for you, and normally they'll say something like, and he will wait 15 minutes. And after 15 minutes, he'll leave. Now think about that a little bit. You called the Uber driver. He knows you exist. He knows where you are. He comes to your house. He knows you're in your house. He is providing rides to make money. He needs your money, you have the money, and he's going to wait 15 minutes? Now wait, wait a minute, think about that. He comes to your house, he knows where you live, he knows who you are, he knows you're in there. He wants your money, he knows you have the money, you have what he wants, but he's just going to wait 15 minutes. How many times do you and I come to God that way? 
We come to God in prayer. We know where God is. We know He exists. We know He has what we need. And we're not going to wait. Does that make any sense? And yet how often do we do that? How often do we fail to wait? You see, the resurrection is a testimony that our God is both willing and able to do whatever he wants to do for us. So why did these two disciples leave? Why did they say they left? They got tired of waiting. I mean, it had been three days. It had been three days. We don't like to wait on God. I think all of us know you can't hurry God, can you? You can't hurry God. He is never late. He's always on time. And yet we don't want to wait on the promises of God. Well, hope dies when we remove ourselves from God's people. Hope dies when we do not avail ourselves of the power of the resurrection because we don't want to wait. There's one other time that hope dies. Hope dies when we fail to remember what he has said and what he has done. All of us this morning, we could go right around this room and we could all give testimony of times when God has done for us that supernatural. Jesus tells them it's time for a Bible study. He sits them down, and the scripture says he started at Moses, and he related all that the prophets had said about him up until his resurrection. You see, they had forgotten. They had forgotten the things that the scriptures had said, and even that he had said about himself. And when you and I forget the word, hope dies. Hymns are wonderful, but there's nothing that will sustain you and me like God's word. There are times in life when things will come so big and hit us so fast that the only thing we have to hang on to is God's word. I remember the afternoon that I fell off that roof in 2004. And my mind was reeling how in the world I was going to support my family. How in the world this was going to come together. And Vance Pridget, the hospital chaplain, came in my room. And we had a conversation. And he took an eight and a half, 11 sheet of paper and went to a copier and copied Romans 8.28 in big letters and brought it back to my room and taped it on the wall right across from my bed. And those days I was in the hospital, I clung to that. Jesus repeated to these disciples Scripture. And that's why it's so important that you and I have God's Word in our hearts. Sometimes we won't even have a Bible. I didn't have a Bible that afternoon. But I had God's Word. And sometimes His Word is 
only thing that you can hang on to. After he had told them that, he did something else. It's so important that you and I remember the miracles that God has done in our life. He went in the house with them. And this was not by accident. He took bread. He blessed it. He broke it. And he gave it. Oh, wait, think back through that. He took bread. He blessed it. He broke it. And he gave it to them. Now, I know you got up early this morning. I'm not sure you're with me yet. He took bread. He blessed it. He broke it. And he gave it to them. Does that bring any memory to you? Has that ever happened before in Jesus' ministry? He takes bread. He blesses it. He breaks it. And he gives it to them. Now, possibly your mind, first thing goes this morning, you say, hmm, that sounds like the Lord's Supper. Well, that's true, except these two disciples were not at the Lord's Supper. So, think again. When in Jesus' ministry did he take bread and bless it and break it and give it? Yeah. It was in the wilderness. When a young boy showed up with five loaves and two fish. And he took bread. And he blessed it. And he broke it. And he gave it. After Jesus does that, he disappears from them. And they said, it was the Lord. It was the Lord. And their hope resurrects. Think back in your life of the miracles. Think of the time, those you are parents, when your child was protected. We had some in our family. We had some situations where we should have had the death of a child. A little over a year ago, my sister Rhoda was facing surgery for a lesion on her bladder. The two independent laboratories had diagnosed. And we prayed. And they went in for surgery, and the doctor came out 30 minutes later and says, we can find nothing. Think back in your life of the miracles that God has done for you. Even this week, even today, this morning, I don't know what time you woke up, but you were dead to the world, so to speak, in sleep. And you woke up. That's a miracle. And you stretched and flexed your body and you had energy to get up out of bed. That's a miracle. And you went to your closet and you had to choose what you were going to wear that day, right? You had more than one outfit. That's a miracle. And you got out to go to church, and you had to decide, well, most of us, what, what vehicle am I going to drive this morning? That's a miracle. Many people in the world today do not have that. And we forget 
the miracles of our God. And when we forget the miracles of our God, when we forget what he said in his word, hope will die. I'm convinced that life will always put us in places where hope can die. And when those times happen, our hope can be resurrected. As we gather with God's people to be encouraged by one another that God is faithful, that his word is true, it is sure. When we can be encouraged and supported to wait, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So this morning, Cleopas and who? Cleopas and Dave? Cleopas and Maddie? Cleopas and Kenton? Who was on that road? All of us have times when our hope is dashed. And in that time, may we remember how important it is for our hope to be resurrected. We serve an awesome God. If he was willing to give his son to save us, and he was able to raise him from the dead, there is nothing. that he is not willing and able to do to bring about his purposes in our life. That should put a spring in our step. That should put a smile on our face. That should change our whole attitude about life. There's a hymn that was written based on this account. I'm going to ask Kenton to play it. We're going to try our internets down, but I think we're going to be able to play it. You'll recognize it. Just listen to the words. The hymn writer chose this passage of scripture, this experience on the road to Emmaus to write about our Christian experience. Okay, Kenton? I can't you can't, okay. Well, um, I don't think it's in our book. The hymn is Abide With Me, Tis Eventide. Some of you would know it. I don't think I've got the lyrics. I, I don't know if we can get it loud enough to play. Um, but anyway, that hymn talks about the importance of abiding each day with Christ and, and how important it is to remember His faithfulness in our past and as we go through the day with Him to, to have a fellowship with Him. And it even talks there of can you play it? I can put it in my mic. Within my 
night with me. Behold, tis eventide. Oh, Savior, stay this night with me. Behold, tis eventide. Abide with me, tis eventide. Thy walk today with me has made my heart within me burn as I communed with thee. Thy earnest words have filled my soul and kept me near thy side. Oh, Savior, stay this night with me. those difficult times we need to seek to abide with him and then our hope will be resurrected. Let's pray. Father we rejoice this Lord's Day in the resurrection of your son our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Father we thank you that you were both willing and able to give him and to raise him for our salvation. And Father, may we live in the hope of the resurrection. This we ask in the name of Christ.